the Nutcracker, which is back, and it's back with performances um, this week, beginning tomorrow and running through the weekend with Spokane Symphony and State Street Ballet. And here for State Street Ballet is Cecily McDougall. Good morning, Cecily. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And uh, specifically, who has danced it for many years and who is now the Associate Executive Director of State Street Ballet, and we'll, we'll get into all that. But it's that, it's that thing for every ballet company in the world, the Nutcracker is a way by which you set your calendars every year. And last year, it wasn't the same. Last year, you didn't have public Nutcrackers. So I'm going to kind of project here and say that's, that gave you a year away from the, oh, another Nutcracker, which can happen to anybody when you do something every year. So... How how is the Nutcracker striking you with it with a year away from the normal way you would do it? I think so far this year I've felt a lot of joy from the dancers. Um, I think everyone is really excited to be back on stage together. And, you know, we have a national tour, so we go to several different cities. And the collaborative aspect of that, you know, working with Morihiko and with the Spokane Symphony and with the local students here and being at the Fox Theater makes this show feel really different than any other Nutcracker that we do. So I would definitely say there's a fresh energy and, and a feeling of homecoming uh, for our 10th anniversary being here. So we're just thrilled to be back. Nice. And uh, specifically, then, how... How how much inertia is in settings of the Nutcracker? How often do you do exactly the th same thing you did last year? How often do you make small changes? How often do you do you redo big things about the Nutcracker? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, a lot of the choreography is original, and then a lot of it also stems from the traditional version. So we do have a little bit of leeway in terms of the storytelling. For example, some Nutcrackers have a rat king, and we have a rat queen, which is a hilarious <laughs> part of the ballet, one of my favorite moments. Um, and But we did actually, two years ago, we made a little change, and I think It'll be the first time that the Spokane audiences have seen it, but we have a, a little bit of a new character. It's the nephew, Drosselmeyer's nephew, who becomes the Nutcracker. Um, and then the ending is a little bit different. So I'm excited for the audience to experience that this year. And certainly we don't want to give away the, the thing you're cleverly not uh, by, by talking about how the ending being different. But by virtue of these changes, uh, well, you've already alluded to one, which is making it the, the Rat Queen rather than the Rat King. How are you trying to bring out different aspects of that, that iconic story and maybe, yeah. Well, I think one thing that's really um, special about State Street Ballet's Nutcracker is there are moments of humor that bring it. There's just a lightness uh, throughout. And, you know, it's a really joyful ballet anyway, although the battle scene, I will say, is a little bit scary. Um, but we well, also, it better be. Yeah, exactly. It's a battle. Um, so, but we also have, you know, Grandma's a really great character for some laughs, and then um, in the second act, we've got Mother Ginger is iconic. So, um, the audience can come and expect to see really gorgeous, high-quality dancing, but also to laugh a little bit in their seats. Yeah, and um, and and it's it's a story that exists on so many planes. It's it, it's kind of the way kids are going to view the Nutcracker. It's the way adults are going to view the Nutcracker. Uh, how do you think of in terms of keeping it fresh for the adults? Yes, I think the humor um, definitely adds to that for the adults as well as for the kids. I think that's a universal. 
Um, but the adults will, I think, appreciate the artistry of our performers. Um, and maybe, you know, definitely more than the kids in the audience, they're going to understand that what they're seeing is really Olympic-level athletes on stage, um, you know, at their peak. And so we're just excited to be able to give those artists a platform to show their skills and to work together with the symphony to create something beautiful. Sure. And speaking of those those artists, um, you were saying when we were talking earlier that your, your dancers come from all over the world. Uh, how, where in, uh, the big word, reopening, where in your reopening are you from from when I assume you were not doing the normal stuff a year ago to how how recently have you returned to to shows with people in the in the hall? Um, our season opener was actually a, a, one of the biggest collaborations we've ever done. It was the musical Kismet um, in Santa Barbara at the Granada Theater, and we worked with the Santa Barbara Symphony as well as stars from Broadway who flew in for six weeks and rehearsed with us. Um, and so that was the first time that the company members of this season have been on stage since the pandemic. And it was just incredible. Many of them said that returning to the stage, just walking out on the stage with a full house for even the preview performance just brought them to tears. So I know they're so excited and grateful to be back. Um, and we also did another um, collaboration before starting our Nutcracker tour with Santa Barbara Opera. We did Eleanor Brujo. So that was a, another mm. nice exciting um, way to get back on stage and create something new. It's interesting that you mentioned the Granada Theater because that's a commonality in a way between Spokane and Santa Barbara is that each place has a really special performing mm -hmm. place to do. Describe the Granada Theater. It's a beautiful theater. You know, it's Spanish style, um, and it was redone about 15 years ago, and it just the backstage is gorgeous. The theater itself is beautiful from the lobby to just the hall, everything, and it's really well equipped. So that's that's our home theater, and we love it. But we also are so honored to perform at the Fox, mm -hmm. and I think just the Art Deco style fits our nutcracker mm -hmm. and the visuals just perfectly. So. And Marhiko Nakahara, the, who's conduct, conducting this, uh, we could have just substituted the words Fox for Granada in, in describing that lovely place where the symphony gets to play, couldn't we? Yeah, and you know what's, what's special about doing the Nutcracker at the Fox is that, well, for me, first of all, because the pit, the pit itself is not that huge, right? And it's rather shallow. Mm -hmm. So I, I get to see a lot of what's going on. Uh, on stage, and we much get to see better a than bit of you. yeah, much better than much better than most other pits mm -hmm. that I've been in. Uh, also, the fact that I mean, it, there's something very unique about our Nutcracker together, mm -hmm. because, for instance, the harp, the bass section, the percussion section, we don't, we can't fit them in the pit, so we put them sort of in the house a little bit. So to see, it's almost you know, for for all these families who come to. To, to watch the ballet, they're also getting to watch the watch the orchestra, you know, up close. I, I always feel a little bit guilty because once again, because the pit is shallow. Mm -hmm. When I stand up, when I'm conducting on the podium, I always apologize to the the people who are right like right in the center of the front few rows because I feel like I'm blocking their mm -hmm. view, but they're getting like a perfect view of the instruments at the same time. But I always I always turn around and say, well, sorry, you know you. You might not be able to see as well what's happening on stage, but it's just there's that the uniqueness of this particular production that uh, that the State Street Ballet you know does. That's I remember still the first time uh, the first year we worked together, and we saw the set 
and we thought it was tailor-made for <laughs> for the fox because it just fits so seamlessly and so you know it was just a, a special experience and you know this is I think I could say with confidence this is one thing I look forward to doing every season mm -hmm. is is the Nutcracker because I think the, the music obviously Tchaikovsky's score is you know so phenomenal and so mm -hmm. so beautiful it's so exciting uh, but I just love working with dancers mm -hmm. um, in in this setting so it's you know it's it's a treat for me isn't there a nice sense of ease with something that everybody knows that, that that you know the score, the musicians know it, and so there's a lot of uh, you know you, you don't have to do the damage control stuff that some that con people don't know that conductors are right. doing some of the time. You are able to be freer to to really have the experience, aren't you? Yeah, um, you know there. I think he, uh, specific to the Spokane Symphony, I think there are a couple things that that are couple pieces, a couple of big pieces that are really under their fingers. So mm -hmm. the Nutcracker is one. Mm -hmm. The other thing is Beethoven's Ninth mm -hmm. because it's been going on for almost 10 years mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, since Eckhart started it. So those pieces, you're right, there's there's a sense of freedom. And, you know, the score, uh, the, the music to the Nutcracker, and, you know, when I teach uh, at my university, I always warn the students, it's like, you better know your Nutcracker excerpts because it's hard. Mm, especially yeah, for the, yeah. you know, especially for the strings, high strings. There's some really uh, virtuosic writing, but of course, you know, they they know it inside and out because they, you know, they they do this every year here. So that gives gives us that sense of freedom, yeah. too. And I feel like we can really kind of play off of each other, not just between the orchestra, mm -hmm. among just within the orchestra, not just within the orchestra, but also definitely with what's happening on stage so that if we need to if we need to delay a, a big hit uh, musical hit or something they they know to adjust you yeah. know we, without talking about it so there's there's uh, definitely a sense of very much like a spontaneous music making uh, and music sharing that that goes on during the during you know during the Nutcracker yeah. week D does the brass section still sing the women's chorus during the first rehearsal what was that? Does the brass section still sing the women's oh, chorus during the first um, rehearsal, or have they, they abandoned do, that? They, let's see, this, you know, you know I think they're going to do it tomorrow afternoon, yeah. I think, for us, because the way the rehearsal schedule is now, yeah. we, have the, we have the singers at the first rehearsal, yeah. but we might not have them for the second rehearsal. So, oh, the yeah. And they're, you know, they're off stage, so we, yeah. we never see them. You know, there's like a, set, like a closed circuit TV backstage somewhere where they're singing so we never see them right, yeah. anymore yeah well and the brass players can do it yeah. you have more women in the horn section so they can even hit the high notes right. so it, it's perfect um but back to you Cecily um Morhiko's not sitting here there's no conductors in the room talk about um what uh what ballet people talk about conductors uh, and the range of conductors and those that that do and don't pay attention to what this, the dancers need and maybe a few horror stories in here too. Come on. <laughs> there are definitely some conductors that we have worked with where you give the feedback and then you give the feedback again 
and then you maybe try one more time and then you just quit because it's going to be whatever they decide. And I'm very happy to say that that is not Moriko. <laughs> he is amazing at watching the dancers. In fact, we hardly have to give him any, especially at this point, we hardly have to give him any feedback at all. But what I also really appreciate is we have two different couples doing the grand pas. Um, and there's some little variations between what they like in terms of um, the tempos and, and just we have in particular, you know, a couple of fabulous turners. And so at the end of a variation, if they want to finish their pirouette at the top and hold it, he's really watching them. Um, and that just adds to this kind of connectivity that you were describing um, of the dancers and the musicians. And so I'm, we're always so grateful to come here and have you conducting because mm. it just gives the dancers a sense of ease knowing that you're going to be really there for them. Yeah. And speaking of Grandpa de Deux, and, uh, and you said that you have two sets of dancers, is there kind of a sense of double casting that you're doing in we, this? We do, yes. We have two Claras as well, um, and most of the second act variations are, are double cast, a lot of them. Um, and what's exciting about our, our Grandpa couples is we have um, Marika, uh, Kobayashi from Japan, and we have Harold Mendez from Cuba, and they're one couple, and they have a really different quality than Daisy Mendonca from Brazil, and actually a guest artist, um, Aaron Smythe from Australia. Um, and it's just, be I love watching both couples because they're fiery and they're fierce, and then the other couple's elegant and regal, and so I would recommend getting tickets to um, both casts. And I should uh, say that we're, we're talking to people about the Nutcracker, which opens on Thursday. There's a Thursday night performance and then a 7.30 Friday night performance, 7.30 Saturday, two performances, a matinee at 2, and then the evening performance at 7.30. And the final performance is Sunday at 2 o'clock at the Fox with the Spokane Symphony and through the usual Spokane Symphony ticket outlets, their uh, phone number or their website, spokanesymphony.org. Org. And um, so you say you're, you're on tour. Where, where have you been and where are you going between now and Christmas? So our um, opening performances were actually in Fresno uh, mm -hmm. the week before Thanksgiving. And then we are headed to Durango, Colorado next week before returning to the Granada for our final shows in mm -hmm. Santa Barbara. And in every case, it's with orchestra. Uh, Fresno, no, but Durango and Santa Barbara, yes. Okay, yeah. So then you get that, you get that treat too, because mm -hmm. it's. Uh, I mean, that, you you you're you're associate executive director. That means you also know what budgets look like. So that's a real dilemma in the world of ballet, isn't it? When, when you can and can't have an orchestra. Mm hmm Yeah, and actually, so the the performance that we had in the theater. Um, on March 13th, when everything shut down with Sleeping Beauty, and we've had to postpone it, um, but we're actually bringing it back this spring, and I'm so pleased to say we will have live music, which we mm -hmm. wouldn't have had. So there's a sure. little bit of that redemptive, um, you know, if the money's there, we'll, we'll bring it in, because having live music just adds exponentially to the performance. Oh, of course, yeah. I'm biased, but still, of <laughs> course. Um, Cecily McDougald from State Street Ballet and Marhiko Nakahara, what a pleasure always to have you with Thank us. You. And so uh, it's really, really great to have you doing this wonderful, iconic piece.